This episode is brought to you by Pepsi Wild Cherry. Pepsi Wild Cherry is bursting with delicious cherry flavor and a sweet, crisp taste that gives you more to go wild for. Getting wild may look different these days, but whether it's opting for a solo Friday binge watch or a big night out, everyone can indulge in their wild side with Pepsi Wild Cherry, also available in Zero Sugar. So grab a Pepsi Wild Cherry and get wild. Exclusive live interviews. People, I think, have got that hunger back for hockey. Game highlights. Shot score! Jordan Everly set up by Taylor Hall. Expert analysis and your opinion. This is Overtime Open Live. Brought to you by the Terry Peranich Real Estate Team. Edmonton's number one real estate resource. Now, from the Cabela's Broadcast Center, Reed Wilkins on Oilers on Radio. Oilers Radio. 630 Shed. Granlund and Latestu tie up and on the dot. It's pulled free by Zach Cassian. Example of what my partner was talking about. Ahead to McDavid has a step. Wrist shot score! Connor McDavid, a brilliant individual play, fending off Jared Spurgeon and banging one home to give Edmonton a 2 1 lead with 7.29 to go. McDavid's 14th. And for the second time in a week and a half, McDavid, a game-winning goal in a 2-1 Oilers road victory. That's your final tonight in Minnesota. The Oilers suddenly have won four of their last five road games. And tonight, Cam Talbot solid again. He makes 29 saves. Along with Rob Brown, I'm Reed Wilkins. Terry Peranich, overtime open line from the Cabela's Broadcast Center. Thanks a lot for tuning in. Of course, you can reach us, 780-496-0063. You can also text us at 630-630. You can tweet me at Reed Wilkins. Well, Rob, tight game tonight. And I, I for me anyway, I, I thought it was interesting the score ended 2-1 because I actually thought especially at times, there were a lot of good scoring chances in this game. But for one reason or another, a lot of them weren't converted. Well, one of the big reasons is both goaltenders, for the most part, played well. I think Kemper probably wants that McDavid goal back. It was uh, well played by the defenseman. He kept McDavid to the outside. and McDavid, good play, keeping the puck just out of the reach of the defender and fires a puck on net. And probably justice for McDavid as he was thwarted on his breakaway earlier in the game. But both goalies were very good. Uh, you know, if you look at Talbot's game, and I know that I believe it was Jack and Bob, or they, I don't know if it was, they, it was the radio or the TV, I'm not sure who was talking about, but they said that his anticipation, Talbot's anticipation tonight was sensational. Every time the puck went somewhere, he was already facing the shooter. Before the shooter had the puck, he knew where that puck was going. And that's just understanding the game. Talbot knows where the puck is on the ice. He can tell by... The, the way the Minnesota Wild sticks are if they're shooting or passing. He knows if he's got a guy back door, if he's got to get across there. And, and he's just doing exactly what we've seen game after game after game. And when you have a goaltender that gives you this kind of consistency in net, it allows the the confidence to grow on the bench. And this team feels that they can uh, they can win any game and they can win the low-scoring game. This isn't a team that could win low-scoring games before. Five of the Oilers' last nine games have ended 2-1. Uh, they've won three. They lost one in overtime to the Ducks, and they lost a regulation game to the LA Kings at the start of this nine-game run. So it's a it's a different sort of scenario with this team than we've seen earlier in the season. Again, you're right about Talbot. V- very solid. He makes a lot of saves that 
are just simply good. He doesn't have to flop around and, and go through, you know, a lot of calisthenics to try to stop the puck or anything like that. I, I did think, though, Rob, and I want to talk about the Oilers' penalty kill, but I thought one of Talbot's best plays in this game was on that final power play when the Oilers had to kill one off with six minutes left. He knocked that one cross-crease pass away. And that doesn't count as a save, but I thought that was as big as any stop he made. And what is that? That For that is understanding the game. He knows what Minnesota is trying to do. He knows how they're set up. And he, because of that, he, he, he anticipates, okay, here's where this guy wants to go with the puck. I can tell by where he's set up down here. Uh, my defender's going to take that pass away. I'll take this one away. Puck comes out, hits his stick, and all of a sudden it's back out of the zone again. So it's a, a goaltender just isn't in there stopping pucks. He's got to understand uh, how the other team sets up their power play, how they attack on the forecheck. When they have the puck on this side of the net, where are they usually going to? What, what are they prone to do? And, and, he, and you study that, and he studied it very well. And tonight, uh, at all times, he seemed like he knew what Minnesota was going to do before they did. Oilers get the 2-1 victory. The goal scores for Edmonton, Korpakoski and McDavid. Korpakoski now with three goals in his last five games. Parisi, the only goal for the Minnesota Wild tonight. Rob, the Oilers were, I was going to say decimated. What's more than decimated? Obliterated in the face-off circle tonight. 27%. And, that, and the goal was off a face-off win. Though, oddly enough, it wasn't. I mean, we saw a couple clean wins by Minnesota when they had the goalie out. That one was actually a tie draw that the Oilers, I think, were going to get, and it hit Leon Skate and went right to Parisi. Yeah, just a bad break. And it's funny, we watched it a couple times, you and I trying to say, okay, who should have had that guy coming off? But sometimes a bad break, a bad bounce, and there's just no defense for it. And that was a, an unlucky break for Drysettle on that one. As I believe, the last I saw that the, the goal was unassisted. So there I mean the Koivu who took the draw never even touched it. It just simply went off the the ref's hand off Drysaddle's foot and right to Parisi. So an unfortunate bounce for the Oilers, but again the Oilers who could not overcome bad bounces before seem to take it in stride now. And tonight came out and and played a very very solid road game. Bob tweeting me. He says, Leon should have been the first star. He was good all night. He started to win face-offs in the third. We'll tell you what, we'll let Bob pick Leon as the fourth star. I think it's a great idea. For Missioner Allen Auctioneering, try the auction advantage. We have the selection. You set the price. Check out maauctions.com. The three stars as selected at the rink at XL Energy Center. Talbot, the first star. McDavid, the second star. And Kemper, the third star. So you'd expect the uh, both goaltenders to be getting some accolades as it ended 2-1. Okay, the Oilers' power play didn't score. So that's uh, the streak now is 1 for 26 over the last 12. The first goal was three seconds after a power play expired. So they still kind of had a man advantage going on. But then the Oilers' penalty kill had to do a lot of work. Three times shorthanded in the second period, and then, as I mentioned, they got Cracknell got a penalty with just under six minutes left. They were good, and uh, the goaltending was good on it. They, they were good at clearing the pucks. The one thing that you get into trouble on, on penalty kills if you have opportunities to clear the puck and you don't get it down. And tonight, the Edmonton Oilers did a good job getting pucks out, uh, supporting players. The, they, they didn't allow any easy access for the Minnesota Wild. We, you and I were talking the one time they tried going cross ice in, in on the power play, but there were sticks all through there, so they weren't allowing easy passes through the box. And, and the, the specialty teams, I mean, it wasn't a power play goal, but it was right after a power play, so you think of that as practically a power play goal. The specialty teams were very good tonight that way, 
and the goaltending was good. That usually spells success. Well, you mentioned the, the cross-ice pass, and they tried one when they had the six-on-five, too. When the Wild pulled their goaltender, they did have that one kind of scramble. They never really got a clean shot away. How much of that was the Oilers defending, because you're desperate defending when you're trying to protect the one-goal lead, and how much of that was maybe the Wild not executing when they had their goalie pulled? Well, I think it's both. I think the Oilers did a good job keeping things to the outside, but if I'm the Minnesota Wild, I'm setting up a shot from the point, and there's going to be put two D-men back there and go cross back, forth, back, forth till one's open and then fire the puck. I mean, they, they spent so much time with the puck on the perimeter. When you're down a goal, you want goal mouth scrambles. You want bodies crashing and pucks bouncing somewhere so that you're, you've got the extra man. That's where you want to have the extra man in front of the net. And Minnesota just kept staying on the outside looking for that pretty play. Well, the Edmonton Oilers weren't going to give them that opportunity. So uh, it was good on the Edmonton Oilers, good on their defenders. And the, the one thing they, the Oilers did tonight and the coaching staff did was they, they used all their players. And we talked about it earlier, Cracknell on the ice in the last two minutes of a one-goal game. He's a fourth-line player. Korpakoski was out there. Uh, uh, Latest was out there. So their bottom six uh, were playing, oh, bottom five once Hendricks left. The bottom five played uh, an important part late in the game, keeping this a one-goal win. Matt Hendricks only wound up playing, what was it, three minutes? Three minutes, 11 seconds. Left the game in the first period. Obviously, he was part of that Polak uh, collision the other night against the San Jose Sharks. So we'll see what's up with Hendricks. He tried to go. I I guess, Rob, what does it say for Anton Lander? That I mean, clearly, they clearly... You would you would think that they knew there was a chance Hendricks wasn't going to finish the game, and Landers still didn't get the play. Yeah, it's uh, well, I, I'm guessing that they figured that he was going to play and finish the game. I, I don't think they're going to put him in if they don't feel that. But they also knew that he wasn't a hundred percent. So what they're saying is a an eighty percent or seventy percent Hendricks is better than a healthy Lander. Uh, it, it shows that the coaching staff has just lost uh, confidence in Anton Lander. And, and it's too bad from what we've seen in the past from him and, and, and glimpses that he's shown. He just hasn't done that this year. And uh, it doesn't bode well when you're a team that's rebuilding and you're looking for big, strong players. And Anton isn't those. That uh, Anton is, unfortunately, the odd man out. You did miss his face-offs tonight. He is pretty good on the face-offs. The others weren't good at that. But his face-offs aren't good enough to keep him in the lineup to overcome the other deficiencies that he's had this year. Oilers win 2-1 over the Minnesota Wild. That means a $100 donation courtesy of Booster Juice, an oasis of freshness in a fast-paced world, to the Juvenile Diabetes Research Foundation. 50 bucks for every Oilers goal all season long. You can follow the total on the Oilers page on 630Ched.com. By the way, we're looking for somebody to finish the play if you like winning stuff. 780-496-0063. You can also text your thoughts on the game to 630 Ryan in Tabor says, uh, my buddy and I are arguing if the Oilers should make McDavid captain next year or the start of year three. I think he should have another season to get acclimated to the NHL, then be captain the next year. Crosby became captain at the start of his third season. I'm not sure it'll hurt a player of his caliber to give it to him early, but why take a chance? That is from Ryan in Tabor. Well, it's not going to hurt him. I mean, if you're gonna, if, if he's going to be your captain... Uh, who are you going to give somebody the C for one year and then take it away from them? So, I mean, your two options are you go with no captain again next year or you just give it to them. And, they're, I mean, how old was Landis Cog in, in Colorado when they gave him the captaincy? Well, the exact age. I, I think, think he was the same 19, age. Yeah. Yeah. Stevie Eiserman in Detroit. I'm not sure how. He wasn't very old either. But, I mean, I, I, I don't know. I think they, they got to see what kind of 
uh, dressing room they have. Landeskog, 19 years, 286 days. There yeah. you go. So, I'm... I mean, that's that's the way everything is going towards. If there was one of the other young stars on this team was who they wanted to be captain, he would have been captain Already by now. Been. So uh, this is going to be Connor McDavid's team. He's going to be captain of the team. doesn't matter when you give it to him. And I don't think, and we were asked this more earlier in the season, I I, I don't think it's hurt the team not to have a captain. I, I, I really don't. I, I don't, I, I mean... It what doesn't. are you going to say? Oh, they would have won thirteen more games if they could. no. I mean, th- th- this is the team, and and it is it is being built around McDavid now. Obviously, um, now the thing is, if he had played the full season, all what are we up to? If he'd played all seventy games, maybe you're more inclined to say, oh yeah, he's just going to be the captain next year. I don't. It doesn't you, matter. You don't think that would have made a nope, difference? Nope. It, it's there's leaders. There's guys that are just born leaders, and guys that people gravitate to. And if that is a guy and the coaches are going to see in the dress room, the trainers are going to see in the dress room, the GM is going to find out. And if he's a guy that they gravitate to, they, they follow, that they like his work ethic, they like his leadership on the ice, well, then he'll be the captain, whether he played a certain amount of games because of injuries or not. Uh, if they don't feel that way, and obviously there's players here that have been here that many thought, we've taken how many phone calls over the last three years, this guy should be captain, this guy should be captain. Well, obviously, there's some warts. Or those guys would have been captains already. So uh, this is Connor McDavid's team, and if if you feel that in year three he's going to be the captain, well, he's going to be the captain in year two. All right, Oilers win two one over Minnesota. Connor McDavid gets the game winner. We're down a bunch of guys in a building where this team very rarely wins, and you, you got it out a pretty nice one. That's got to feel feel great the way you guys did it. And where you did. Yeah, it feels good. Uh, you know, they're they're a desperate team playing for their lives, and uh, you know they had a couple days off, so we knew they were rested, and um, it was a good win for us. You guys have four wins in your last five road games. Just, do you feel a shift in the way you guys are playing on the road? Is it a lot different than earlier in the year, do you find? For sure. I think uh, a lot of guys are, are feeling um, you know, kind of uh, relief um, you know, when we're, we're, on, we're on the road. Um, you know, it's, sometimes it's, it's tough to play in front of your home fans when um, you know, you're, you're not putting together a good home game. So um, you know, the guys are playing a little bit more loose, and uh, I think it's showing. How quickly did that develop for you there on the game winner in terms of getting off the face off and then moving as quickly up the ice as you did? Yeah, Cass made a great play on that uh, on that goal. Um, and he holds the puck a little bit longer, uh, giving me a chance to build up my speed a little bit more, and uh, you know bought me a little bit more time. So, um, you know, good play to him, and um, you know just try to get it on net, and uh, fortunate enough to win him. Is that the goal there is just to try and put it on net in terms of where you were trying to put the puck there? Yeah, you just try and put it on net. Uh, you know, you're kind of at an awkward angle, um, you know, coming in fast, so the goalie doesn't really know how to, to, to play that, I, I don't think. Um, so, um, you know, probably should have been a save, but, uh, you know, we'll take it. This team's ability to kind of battle through these injuries and then Darnell was out, and it's just, um, what's working for you guys? How are you able to do it? Yeah, um, you know, it's, a, it's a credit to the guys that, you know, we're stepping in and, and playing on that other line and you know, playing a lot of minutes, uh, you know, for those guys. and. Um, you know, it's not an easy job to, to do that. Um, I think Halsey did a lot of it, and um, you know, a couple other guys. So uh, it's credit to those guys, but you know, it's uh, also credit to the whole team for, for coming together. That is Connor McDavid, the winning goal at 12:31 of the third, his 14th from Cassian and Sekera. Oilers take down the Wild 2-1. Tell you what, Evan on the line has already won 50 bucks to Panda Hut Express because he's going to play finish the play tonight. Evan, you got a thought on the game, or you want to jump right into the contest, buddy? Hey, I missed the game tonight, so uh, let's just play and see where it goes. Okay, well, the goal scorers were McDavid and Korpikoski. You probably gathered that already from us talking, but uh, let's fire this, Matthew Panashik. 
Rebound, Letestu put it behind the net, and it's Maroon. Korpakoski comes off the inboard, slides it, shot into traffic, save, backhander. All right, so Korpakoski's on the ice there. Evan, what do you say, goal or no goal? I say goal. Let's find out for sure. Rebound, Letestu put it behind the net, and it's Maroon. Korpakoski comes off the inboard, slides it, shot into traffic, save, backhander score on the rebound. It's Korpakoski with his third goal in five. Games. Korpakoski from Latestu and Clendenning. And Evan, you are also in the grand prize draw for a thousand bucks to Integra Tire Auto Center. Love your ride with Integra Tire in Edmonton, Sherwood Park, Fort Saskatchewan, and Stony Plain. Korpakoski, unstoppable all of a sudden, Rob Brown. No, he played well. I mean, if you want to win in the National Hockey League, your role players have to come through and, and score goals. And tonight, they got another big goal from a role player who, uh, end of a power play, driving the net. And the Oilers hadn't gotten a lot going on their power play. They weren't getting a lot of chances. They just threw a puck on net. Letestu threw a puck on net. The rebound came out, and Korpakoski driving the net puts it in the back. So uh, it was a big goal for him and obviously a big goal for the Oilers, who tonight uh, just continued to impress with their, their late-season surge of playing a, a grittier, much more defensive style of game. Mike in Kentucky tweeting me. He says, Maroon had a great game, plays his position very well. He's great at taking away lanes. Maroon... So far, so good. Uh, I guess he got that assist taken away from him because we had it originally. It has Clendenning now. Yeah, I, I thought been, it was Maroon, but... Would have been five points in five games. Nothing wrong with four and five. I, You know what? Same thing I said to you b- before the game about Maroon. He he gets to the front of the net, and he, he gets he works for position. And then when he's not in front of the net, I mean, look, where's the puck often in the offensive zone, Bob, or uh, Rob, when you're forechecking? Bob's not here. No, no, uh, uh, it, it's down below the goal the, line. It's below goal line or in front of the net, yeah. and that's where, that's where he goes. Well, he's a big body that understands what his strengths are. Now, I don't know what caused him to fall out of favor in Anaheim, but what he brings and what he has is something that the Oilers have desperately needed. And he creates openings for, for the offensive players. And, and he also, he, he, he's a smart player. You know, there's he sees the game the right way. He can't do all the things that some of the other offensive players can do because he, he doesn't have the speed that some of them have. But he understands where he should be. He understands what his positioning should should be to help the players around him be creative, help open up spaces for them. And then when he gets the puck on the stick, he knows right how to put it in the right place. So he, he has been very good. I thought Cassian was a little bit better tonight. Uh, and they need him going because if you're going to play in your top six, you need to be pretty consistent because the Oilers need those top six to be able to produce. And tonight, unfortunately, snake bitten a little bit, but I thought the top six were much better tonight. Coach, Coach checks again. He says the Oilers played one of their three best games of the season. The team played extremely well from Talbot to Leon to McDavid, Packerinen, Osterley, Eberly, also Yakupov. Uh, all of this in spite of turnovers by Taylor Hall. That's from Couch Coach. Uh, I, actually, I, I didn't really notice a whole lot of turnovers in Taylor's game tonight. I thought his line was a little quiet. I thought Connor had the nice burst. I don't think they were as productive creating chances as the dry side of line was. Uh, but uh, that also is partly due to the fact that the Minnesota Wild don't give up a whole lot of chances. They're a very good defensive team that... Unfortunately for them, blew a huge opportunity in their playoff race, losing to a team well behind them in the standings. Yeah, the Wilds stay two points behind Colorado for the second and final wild card spot in the West. They do have a game in hand on on the Avalanche. I mean, 
games in hand are great if you win them. Mm. <laughs> I mean, so uh, they're going to play the uh, the Canadians next. By the way, PK Subban taken off on a stretcher tonight. Uh, he was down on the ice and and got kind of hit by the rear end of one of his own players. Uh, kind of looked like his neck got. I'm, I'm just saying what it looked like. We don't know. Kind of looked like his neck might have got compressed a bit. Uh, so hopefully he's okay. Yeah, to me it looks like a stinger. You get those every once in a while. They scare you more than anything else. And the fact that when he got hit, he th- he thrashed around a little bit on the ice, threw both arms back, and spun. So that's good when he's moving. And he's moving his eyes and as he was going off the ice on a stretcher. But anytime you see. Any player leaving the ice on a stretcher, you're you're a little scared, and hopefully everything's all right for PK. Ryan texting in, Hall and McDavid shouldn't be on the same line. Hate it, doesn't make sense. They need a smarter player with McDavid with good positional player, uh, good positional play and skill, not a floater. That's from Ryan. Well, I would not consider Taylor Hall a floater. I know that there's players that think the game better than him, but... Uh, a floater that that is not Taylor Hall. He goes he goes hard. He may make mistakes, but it's usually through hard work and and trying to do too much, not through floating out there. Oilers take it two one over the Minnesota Wild. We will get to more of your text. By the way, folks, just here's a little secret. You're allowed to call when they win. Okay, you you really are. Seven eight zero four nine six zero zero six three. Rob and I hear so much from you when the Oilers have lost. It's okay to call us when you're happy, okay? Uh, they've won five of their last seven. 917, Terry Paradich Overtime Open Line from the Cabela's Broadcast Center. You're listening to the Terry Paradich Team Overtime Open Line. Now, live from the Cabela's Broadcast Center, Reed Wilkins on Oilers Radio, 630 Chad. Five and a quarter gone by, second period. Fontaine smashed one on net, right point, save made by Town. And then a half fanned upon on the far side by Scandella. Fontaine. Able to dig it off the inboard. Centered pass. What a save on Niederreiter by Cam Talbot, who was deep in the net. Talbot, save of the game for Armor Insurance, working today to protect your tomorrow. Talbot continues to be solid. He's the first star tonight. He makes 29 saves. Stingy again. The Oilers win 2-1 on the road over the Minnesota Wild. Along with Rob Brown, I'm Reed Wilkins. Thanks for tuning in tonight. It's 9:21. We got a message here from Warren Rob. He says, a very good bounce-back game for the Oilers. I was not expecting this result, considering the state of their defense. Keep it going. I hope that they continue with some great efforts. Yeah, yeah. It, the the defense that stepped into the lineup played very well tonight. And you got to give credit to the the Oilers forwards. Uh, sometimes you got to sacrifice a little of your offensive game to play a, a stronger de- defensive game when you have players out of the lineup, and the others did that. It was it was a solid effort from top to bottom for Edmonton. Let's talk a little bit about the defense. I mean, man, you're looking at this before the game. Okay, Sekera, good player. I know he has his detractors. Mm-hmm. He's, a, he's a good player. Yeah, he's, he's a good a NHL defenseman. defenseman he's yeah. a good player. Mm-hmm. Clendenning was claimed off waivers. Reinhardt should be in the AHL. Osterley should be in the AHL. Party was claimed off waivers. I mean, he's a he's a veteran. He knows what to do, but he was claimed off waivers. And, you know, Mark Fain is a number six, in my mind, defenseman. And maybe on some good teams, he's a press box defenseman. Well, on a, on a bad team, he was in the minors well, for the Oilers this year. On the Oilers, yeah. So um, how, did, how did they do it tonight? I mean, and look... There, there were times they were they were hemmed in for sure, but mm-hmm. it, it, to me, it wasn't as as bad as other nights where they were really running around. Well, system wise, they were very good tonight. Uh, they collapsed. The Fords collapsed to the house. They didn't uh, give a lot of 
easy opportunities. You know, there was a number of the times the, the Wild had the puck on the perimeter looking to, to, to break something through the slot, to break something through back door. But the Oilers had five guys and five sticks. And, and you couldn't get a pass through there. They they brought everyone back, and if if there was a, a loose man, they picked him up. There was no cheating tonight, and I think that's the biggest thing. Sometimes uh, the Oilers have been guilty of cheating, playing on the wrong side of the man in the, in the defensive zone, maybe leaving the zone a little early, anticipating a bounce or, or a bad break for the defending team, and they didn't do that tonight. They held their ground, waited until they had full control, and it takes away from some of the offense. You're not going to have five gold knights if you play strong defensive hockey, but what you will have is 2-1 victories. I, th- I thought Osterley, y- you can, at least to me, Rob, seeing him now for five games, he, he plays the game with his brain. Like You can see him making smart decisions. He knows he's not going to throw anybody into row five or anything like that, but but he's able to get into position and and not get himself in trouble. Now, hey, look, he, like I said, he belongs in the AHL. If he's ever going to be in the NHL full-time, I think that's still a ways away, but good for him and what he's shown over the last week and a half. Well, I mean, last year we would have said the exact same thing about Brandon Davidson. Yeah, he's he's a guy that's a long ways away, and he might be a sixth guy, sixth, seventh defenseman, and he's not going to play a lot, and here he is for the most part of the season, the Oilers' best D-man. Osterlake, what I think teams have started to look for in hockey players now, more so in the last little while than they did before, was hockey IQ. Guys that can think the game. They used to look for, okay, let's look at, does he have size? Can he skate? Can he shoot? Things like that. Then you get him up here, and yeah, he's got all the tools, but nothing in the toolbox. And yeah, he looks good in practice, and he's a fantastic player in warm-up, but when the game starts, he can't think the game. Now he's starting to get find smaller players, a Johnny Goudreau down the road in, in Calgary. Yeah, I mean, who thought he would be as great as he is at this level, weighing, what, 155 pounds? Right. But, he, but he's smarter than the guys he's playing against. So he knows where to be on the ice. He knows when to make the play. He knows how to keep himself out of trouble, how to create things. And now I, I'm not saying Osterley is going to ever turn out to be as good as Johnny Goudreau, but Osterley is a guy that thinks the game well. And he's going to have success uh, when he plays at this level by just being smarter than the guy he goes against. And so far in the small sample size we've seen from him, you're like, wow, you know what? Maybe this guy is better than we expected. Maybe he can play at the National Hockey League level on a consistent basis. Oilers knock off the wild 2-1. All right, now we got some guys on the line here. 780-496-0063. We'll start with John. Hey, John, thanks for calling. Hey, you're welcome. Great game. Hello? Yeah, we're here. Go ahead, man. Yeah, you're talking about how they're doing it. I think it's all about the KISS principle. Just yeah. Keep, keeping it simple. <laughs> Yeah, that hasn't hurt for sure. Who, who, who specifically do you think is leading the way there? Well, you're just talking about the one guy, Osterley, there. You know, he's, he's just keeping it simple, just thinking the game and not trying to be fancy or show off or anything. The rest of the guys, same thing. And, you know, well, look at Yakupov. They put him on the third line now where he's going to be the go-to guy. Now he's got his confidence back. He's starting to carry the puck again instead of taking two steps and making back passes to nobody and, and you know and stuff like that like he was doing the other game. You know, it's just every, the whole thing all around. You know, 12 more games to get one more win, and they passed last year already. Yeah, they're just a point behind last year's total. They've already passed last season's win total. What but was last year's win? Last year's win total was 24, but in terms of points, they're still one point behind the points from last so year. 27 wins already now, 28 wins now. Uh, 27 wins tonight. 27 yep. wins tonight. Well, yep. if they can get at least five out of the next 12, uh, that would be huge. You know, that would put them up, let's say, 80 points. 
60. Uh, well, 70. They'd get to around 70, yeah. 70 Still not great. Still a lot of work to do, well, but... Well, a lot, of, a lot of factors this year, just, you know, little things, you know, a lot of things. Look at how many key guys have been out. Clefbaum's still out. You know, Hopkins is out. McDavid was out half a season. Just, I think we've lost main guys for the whole season, haven't we? Yeah, well, there's been some tough injuries. There's no doubt about that. John, thanks a lot for calling. We appreciate it. It's 927. We also got Daryl on the line. Hey, Daryl, go ahead. Yeah, I just uh, find it curious that, you know, by this time of the year, the last however many years that people would be saying what the hell are the Oilers doing winning games this time of year, you're blowing your drone, blowing your draft pick. <laughs> you know, and really, you know, I usually listen to you guys, and, and I haven't heard it once. I'm quite surprised that people aren't yelling about them winning games. Well, I I think two things for that, Daryl, is first of all, I think most people are smart enough to realize they won the one lottery you want to win, right? Secondly, they're yeah, still third. The only thing better than one is two. True. They're, <laughs> they're still third last in the league in terms of points and yeah. second last in terms of point percentage. So that they yeah. is, they still might have a pretty high percentage of getting, if not in the top one, in the mm-hmm. top three, because as I'm sure you know, they draw three teams this year. Yeah. So why is it that you think people aren't complaining, though? Is it because they like the work ethic, they like the goaltending? Why do you think it is? I think they're just so glad to see some uh, improvement, steady improvement for a change, I think. You know, amongst the coaching staff, I mean, look at the guys in the locker room there. This has got to be the, this is the first year in, what, six years that the guys in the locker room actually know that the coach is going to be back there next year? Yeah, that's a good point. Uh, Quick question. Uh, there was a young Russian guy that the Oilers tried to sign. I don't know if that was last year or the year oh, before. Yeah. He was a really gotcha. small guy, and they, in the NHL uh, they, let him sign it. Whatever happened to him? The NHL saved the Edmonton Oilers because he turned out to be not very good. Just oh. che- I'm just okay. checking where he played. Uh, he's in... He, yeah, he went to the KHL this year, Vladimir Kachev. Okay. And it says he only played two games. I'd, I have to check... More into him, I kind of lost track of him, but it's Kachev you're thinking of, right? Uh, yeah, yeah I that's think the so. guy. I couldn't remember the name. I was talking with another guy about it today, and I just couldn't remember his name. So yeah, I would have. Daryl, thanks for calling. Okay, bye. All right, we got the uh, news and weather coming up. We got uh, Tom, Ron, Rocket, Doug. You're going to be up next. All on the open line as the Oilers hold off the Minnesota Wild for a two-one win. And uh, they win their fifth game in the last seven outings, four of their last five on the road. The Oilers' road record, 11-21-5. Still not good, but uh, they're building up to where they've been. Unfortunately, no Japanese village goal light tonight. The Oilers have to score five or more in a game for us to turn that on on the Oilers page on 630ched.com. Then you can print up a coupon to a... Get a free appetizer at Japanese Village, three locations in Edmonton, downtown, south side, and north side. We're back in a couple of minutes. Terry Pradich, Overtime Open Line from the Cabela's Broadcast Center. Live from the Cabela's Broadcast Center, this is the Terry Pradich Team Overtime Open Line. On Oilers Radio, 630 Chad. Well, despite a patchwork defense, the Oilers are able to get it done tonight in Minnesota. A 2-1 victory. Korpakoski in the first period. Parisi tied it in the second. McDavid won it at 12.31 of the third period. The Oilers will be back home on Saturday to open up a five-game homestand against the Arizona Coyotes. You can reach Rob and me, 780-496-0063. You can text 630-630. We'll go back to the phone lines. And we have Doug standing by. Hey, Doug. 
Hi, guys. How are you making out tonight? We're doing very well. Can't complain, eh? <laughs> yeah. Hey, listen, I'm not complaining about the uh, overall team effort tonight, and uh, uh, I'm not knocking anybody at all. Don't get me wrong, but uh, we have talked in the past about uh, the defense having to prove, and that's going to be a, a work in progress over the summer here. So typically, I mean, I, I guess if you look at it, if we did pick up one or maybe even two defensemen, uh, uh, common sense says that knocks everybody down a slot. Uh, your current number one or two become two or three here. Sure. Three or four become four or five. Do you guys see Reinhardt being this, this team next year? Up in the club, I'm sorry, uh, with the main club or down the minors? No, I, I see him in the minors personally, Rob. Reinhardt next year? Yeah. Well, in a perfect Depending world. Who they get. Yeah, in a yeah. perfect world, he'd be in the minors, but it, the Oilers are going to look for defensemen this summer. So is every other team in the NHL. True. Oh, so, true. So the Oilers, if they can find something better than Griffin Reinhardt, the, then Griffin will start the year in the minors. But also you got to think about it too. They gave up two very good draft picks to get Griffin Reinhardt, and they didn't get him to be a minor league hockey player. He's going to get his chances. He's going to get his chances. So uh, You're right. And, Rob, you, you bring up a real good point because uh, uh, I have to admit it, I was listening to the other channel earlier in the week, and they were talking to uh, people from Bakersfield. And, um, yeah, it was brought up. They thought there was other guys that the way that they've been playing, because we don't see them, of course, but mm-hmm. the way that they've been playing down there, there were other guys they thought deserved a, a shot over Reinhardt as far as coming up for a fill-in or a look-see or whatever the case may be. But they did mention the fact there's a big vested interest uh, from management in Reinhardt because of what they had to give up, right? Uh, so I guess... You're going to give him every shot. From management's point of view, you got to give him every shot. You can't just see, you know, either he makes it or breaks it, one of the two, right? Yeah, and, and I mean, what a great opportunity right now to do it. Uh, it's well, in it a, is. Yeah, I mean, the season's lost. You have all these injuries. you got to bring him up and, and see what he can do. you got to see what he can do at this level. Because well, that, not only that, but over this, this summer, if he goes to uh, uh, the school of Drysdale where he picked up his skating and his foot speed, who knows what could happen over the summer to a guy, right? If you uh, really work at it, maybe he could pick up a step or two. I don't know. But to me, that's that, that downfall of his game is just his overall foot speed. Uh, uh, getting beat out of the corners, that type of thing. Right? Yeah, I, I thought tonight on a couple shifts, and again, we're watching on TV and seeing replays, I thought on a couple shifts he was almost a little too conservative in his own end. Like, I'm not saying you got to start charging at guys, but he was really backing in. Like, there was one play, a wild guy came behind the net and then continued to the corner, and Griffin just kind of stood by the goalpost and then well, put I his stick down on the ice. That's overall, period. Uh, we sort of play this shadow type thing. We don't go at the player with the puck. We, we kind of shadow him, and whether that's by design or whether that's coaching, I don't know what it is, but... I know when we have the puck in their zone, the, the defenseman or whoever's right on you. <laughs> we seem to shadow these guys and let them play the perimeter and let them pass it around. But anyway, I guess that's the point I was trying to bring up is if he's on this team next year. And uh, Osterley, I got it. It was brought up. You guys mentioned it. Uh, I really like the, the way this guy plays the game. He's not overly big, not overly physical, but he plays a smart, smart game, and uh, doesn't get himself in trouble just because he, he he's good with the puck and he doesn't. Uh, make dumb plays is what it boils down to. Well, his greatest asset is he understands what his strengths and weaknesses are. He plays to his strengths and uh, limits his uh, weaknesses. And a lot of players don't know that. A lot of players don't know what their strengths and weaknesses are and, and they get themselves into trouble. But so far what we've seen, and it's only a small sample size, but what we've seen out of Osterley is 
he, he knows what he can do, and he does it. And he knows what he can't do, so he doesn't get involved with that. Thanks for calling, Doug. We're also going to bring in Tom on the line here. Hey, Tom, good to hear from you. Yeah, listen, I just want to make a comment on Yakupov. I think he played himself and played a damn good game, and I think he's played himself back up to fit in someplace in his top top six. And another thing, and I may be wrong on this, but did the coach not have have him out one time when when they were shorthanded? I think I think they did. Uh, Yakupov. No, sorry, no. Tom. The the game sheet says he played zero seconds shorthanded. And oh. and and about Yakupov, see. Yakupov's not going to move up to the top six. Yakupov, the reason the reason Yakupov looks better where he is because he's he's in a role that suits him better. He doesn't think the game well enough to play in the top six. He's yeah. playing with a couple of guys that protect him defensively because he's playing with guys that are very good in their own zone. They're guys that are north-south type games, so Yakupov has to play that game if he wants to be involved in the play. They get the pucks in deep, so I think he's more effective. I think you're just seeing where Yakupov's strengths are. He just not. I just don't think he can be a top six guy in this on this team. And do you not think he had a better game today? Yeah, yeah, I, I do. But I think he actually plays better on a line with Latestu than he would with Drysaitel or McDavid, simply because they simplify the game for him. Right. He doesn't. He doesn't have to think a whole lot now. Yeah. He simply they'll throw a puck into an area and tell him to go get it. So well, I think that's what makes it easier for him. Of course, you know I'm prejudiced. I, he's he's one of my fa- one of my favorite players. Yeah, and and he and he was all right tonight, and yeah. uh, and he also is protected because he's got guys that are very good in their own zone playing with him, and that yeah. takes a lot of the pressure off him that way. Whereas if he's playing with, you know, two of the more skilled players, now all of a sudden there's that fear that he's going to make a a mental mistake defensively, and they don't have somebody that's conscious of it. Well, I think if the co- the coach gives him a ch- chance, he can he can get his confidence back and and uh, maybe be more more you know have, have more, more than one or two games together. Yeah, well, it'd be great if he could become a more integral part of the lineup. That, oh, that's yeah. that's for sure. Tom, good to hear from you, buddy. Thank you. Seven eight zero four nine six zero zero six three. I got a text here to six thirty six thirty from Propane Tank. Mm-hmm. We love when he texts. Yep. Hey, Reed, you described Talbot as stingy. No disagreement here. Let's not be cheap and do compliment. His recent play has unveiled and manifested a model of emboldened goaltending that is worthy of imitation. That's a lot of big words in one little paragraph. We're in English class. Well, <laughs> did he say he played well? Is that what he just said? Uh, we Propane tank, we think that you like how Talbot played. Hmm. And we can't, we can't, I mean, he's the Oilers' MVP. Absolutely, yes. Like, there's there's, there's no doubt about that. Uh, we got Ron on the line. Ron, thanks for calling. Hey, um, just want to say, I think I'm pretty well, probably with other fans, too, that uh, since trade deadline, I think they've been playing uh, more consistent, a little better, a little tougher, you know. So it's a step in the right direction. Well, here's the, here's the scores since, not the trade deadline, but since they... They sat Schultz and Purcell out because they knew they were going to trade them. They yeah, lost right. 2-1 to Los Angeles. They lost 2-1 in overtime to the Ducks. They beat the Islanders 3-1. They beat Buffalo 2-1 in overtime. They shut out Philly 4-0. They lost 6-3 to Columbus. They beat the Jets 2-1. They lost 3-0 to the Sharks. And they obviously win tonight 2-1. So those are the nine. Or those are the, uh, the this nine-game stretch where there's been more low-scoring low games than usual. 
Yeah, I mean, I think we've seen where some of the problem was, and it's nice to see the size come in as well. You know, size with hands as well, like Mr. Maroon. And, uh, yeah, I think uh, I'm hoping we become somewhat of spoilers uh, from now to the end of the year, you know? Well, yeah, I mean, uh, honestly, the players don't think that. They, they don't think spoiling. They just think trying to get wins, trying to get confidence, trying to feel good about themselves. It's been a yes. tough year for a lot of these guys, and they just want to, to leave it on a positive. And Granted, of course, I agree, but it sure would be nice to take a few with us as we go, you know. So that's Well, they'll it. have a chance. They play some other teams that are out of the playoffs. Uh, you know, they're going to play Vancouver three times. The Canucks aren't yeah. in it. They got a, Colorado's going to be here in a couple of weeks. That'll be a big game for the Avalanche. So we'll see how the Oilers uh, rise up. Thanks for calling, Ron. I mean, Philadelphia and Minnesota are pretty mad at the Oilers right now, <laughs> given games over the last week. So. Well, these are anytime you play the Oilers right now, it's a must-win for that team. And if they don't get two points, then they're going to feel pretty stupid at the end of the night. And uh, at the end of the year, if the Minnesota Wild miss the playoffs by a point or two, they're going to look back to when the they had a home game against the worst team in the conference and they lost. JT texting in. He says, did you just say Yakupov is better with Latestu than with McDavid? Oh, man, you boys are drinking on the job, aren't you? That's the most bizarre thing you've ever said. Nope. Well, JT, I've, I've, I didn't say that about Yak with Latestu, but I've said some pretty bizarre things. <laughs> I, I'm the one that said it. He, he, can't, he, he's not, he can't play with McDavid. He's not good enough. And he's more effective playing on a third line. And uh, that's, that's my thought on it. And obviously that's the thought of... The, the last four coaches for the Edmonton Oilers who always found a place to put him on the third line. He just he can't think the game well enough to play in your top six. All right, we got Rocket as well, 780-496-0063. Rocket, good to hear from you. Good to hear from you boys too. <clears throat> good evening. Um, I uh, agree with Tom. Uh, I thought Yakupov, Yakupov played, a, uh, played a good game today on uh, the line that he was on. And uh, I like the caller, a few callers back that uh, commented on how many callers call in with actually it's not negative anymore it's i like where the team's going you like what i'm seeing and that was much different if you recap from last year you know with dallas eakins gone and then todd nelson filling in you know where we were and where we're at now is uh you know in in terms of the fans alone not not so much the record is uh leaps and bounds ahead really if you think about it and um the other thing I wanted to talk about since we're talking about Yakupov not ever being a top six forward is uh, does he become more valuable to another team where maybe he does fit into a top six lineup and, you know, we can, we'll obviously never get a first round pick for a first round pick out of him, but uh, can we trade him and, and get somebody get somebody decent for him? And uh, the other thing I wanted to say is I think Eberle's toast. He's gone. I think we're trading him. Um, I'm not sure about I'm not sure about Eberle being gone. I think that the Oilers the Oilers are looking for a a, a a number one, number two defenseman. Does does Jordan Eberle get you that? I I, I don't know. I mean, you you might get you Hamannick. He might. He might. He might. He might not. I mean, the Oilers need. I mean, whoever they trade away, there's got to bring back some big windfall. It's for it's for Yakupov. Uh, what's Yakupov got on the season? Fifteen points. Oh, you wanted the stats. That, yeah, that's looking for the stats. That's you're yeah, that was me. my. Uh, yeah, Yakupov now has uh, sixteen points in forty-eight games, and he's minus what? Thirteen. So there. Oh, did he get a? So point he's tonight? he's six. six oh, so he's he minus. Get a point. He got he one. He's one plus tonight. So he's sixteen points in forty-eight games. 
in the, in, in the NHL, take away the fact that he was the first pick overall. What yeah. would that get you in a trade? Well, maybe, maybe, look, my, my, I, I know there's a lot of Yakupov fans in Edmonton, mm-hmm. and everybody in the media thought was the right guy to pick. Well, that's there, not true. Not, no, that's be. not true. That's not completely true. There was a lot of people that were saying Ryan Murray. Uh, okay, okay. But he was well, not, he was say, he was yeah, in the top two or three. He was up there. Yeah, yeah. Yep. Fair enough, Rocket. Yep. So there may be other teams out there that think that this guy could actually fit in a top six lineup. Uh, in all honesty, uh, some if someone went and traded for Neil Yakupov now, and this is just from talking. So in the press box at every game, there are all kinds of different teams up there. And we know most of the people that work for other teams just because for a lot of us we've played against or with each other or know them. His, his market value is not very high right now. So I know what everyone thought two, three years ago, or four years ago when he was drafted, but his, he, he's not even close to that trade value now. Not even or close. Or you hanging on to him and then hope. I, honestly, I don't think they're going to hang on to him. I don't think so. I know nothing insider-wise, but... Just if you look at the way this team is going, they're I, trying I don't to get think bigger. They are either myself. Yeah, they're trying to get bigger. They're trying to get stronger. And, and that's why I think Eberle's gone. Well, I mean, they could be. I mean, if they're going to trade him, they're going to have to. I mean, that's where all of a sudden do you, then do you move Drysaddle to the wing, and now all of a sudden Nugent Hopkins pops into the top two. Drysaddle's a winger, take a spot. Peter Shirelli's not afraid to do anything. He traded Tyler Sagan, so who is one of and the best players in the I world. Think not getting any negativity from the fans because even when we were out of the playoffs or you know we we made some moves to try and make the team bigger uh, better bigger <clears throat> which is you know what what they want you know as a, as a model so they went out and did that and you know it wasn't like last year everybody was saying he can well what, what was nice at the, the deadline this year is the others tried to get better despite the fact that they weren't going to be a playoff team. You know, they, they got better by moving Justin Schultz. They went out and picked a couple guys up on waivers that made them bigger and stronger. I mean, these might not be long-term guys. They might just be guys that are getting a look-see. They made a, a, a trade to get a, a Maroon who uh, is a big man with some hands who's been very good for the Oilers. This year they went out and got a cast, and that was early. But they, they tried to make the team better. And every year we've seen at the deadline, it's just a sell-off. And as most bad teams do, they sell off at the deadline. But Peter Shrelly's already starting to put things forward. He knows what he wants to build here. Now, there, uh, there's been suggestions or there's been hints that one of the, the core players might be moved this summer. And for the Oilers to get to where they need to go, they might have to do that simply because there's not enough great free agents to make this team better. So they might have to do it via trade. And if you're going to get someone back that is good via trade, then unfortunately you've got to give up something that's very good. All right, we got Jeff on the line as well. Jeff, thanks a lot for calling. Hey, thanks for having me on again. Um, yeah, I guess it's uh, Niall uh, Sinajanov night here. Uh, I just say that because I think his career is tracking like, in the same direction. It just kind of feels like... Uh, one one trade away from just going on another team and just dying there. So I uh, just wonder if you even think he's good enough to be in the league. Uh, that and maybe you can chime in on an old curse. I don't know. My my dad said this to me once. I was in grade grade seven, 
and uh, Alex Salavano was just surging on Edmonton. Right. He was on point. He was on pace for like 40 goals. And my dad, was, he just nodded. And he's like, yeah, just, just wait there, bud. He's like, Russians, they, they, they don't pan out in Edmonton. So I hate to put it uh, on uh, Russians in general, but I wonder uh, if uh, that is a little cursed, if you guys think uh, if that's the case in Edmonton. Have fun with that, and I'd, I'd love to hear your response. Okay, well, I, I mean, I don't know. I don't, I don't believe in curses, <laughs> firstly, but uh, See, I, I would never have, have some big games. Like. I would never say I don't believe in curses just in case curses are true. I don't want them to come back and haunt me. <laughs> oh, um, I, I honestly, it's t- I, mean, I, I want Yakupov to succeed. I really do. I, the kid has taken a lot of heat in the media. He's taken a lot of heat from coaching staffs. But he, some of it has been brought on by himself. And some of it is just... The expectations were so high. You know, your first pick overall, and everyone starts looking around in the, the past, all the top first picks overall. Like, oh, God, this guy's going to be a Crosby. This guy's going to be a so-and-so. Look at how those first pick overalls came in and changed the franchise. So there was a, a huge, huge um, amount of pressure put on him right away. And he had that one little run in the April, and then things started poorly the next year at Dallas Aikens. He loses his confidence, has a hard time getting it back, and then for him to play, things came easy to him in the, in, excuse me, in the Ontario Hockey League. In the National Hockey League, you got to work at it. And it's not as easy at this, at this level. And the game is quicker, and you have to think quicker. And some of his deficiencies have held him back. And could he play somewhere else and be a top six player? Possible. But he's got to learn the game a little bit better to put himself in the positions to have more success. All right, seven eight zero four nine six zero zero six three. Let's go back to St. Paul. The Oilers win two one. Here's head coach Todd McClellan. Surprised that uh, Darnell Nurse got the three games. Um, well, you know the incident. I said yesterday I wasn't going to talk about it until the league had made their decision. They have, and um, you know there's situations that arise throughout the year where coaching staffs and teams want to stand up for their teammates, and um, you know the one the other night. Um, it was a situation that uh, that I, I, we want to, uh, to to stand up for teammates, but I think Darnell um, went about it the wrong way and uh, probably took it a little bit too far. And uh, you know he's going to pay the price for it now. Uh, three games is what the league decided. We're not going to argue it. Um, we have to live, and he has to live with those consequences. Better to have a guy that you have to dial back than somebody you have to light a fire under, I suppose, if you're coach. Well, that's, you know, that's, I don't know if we can put it that way. Uh, I like the fact that uh, that our group is willing to stand up for each other. There are there are things that happen in a game that are, are cheap and dirty, and, and sometimes the league catches them, sometimes they don't, and you have to stick up for your teammates. Uh, you know, Matty Hendricks went into the boards quite heavily. I don't think there was a lot of intent on, on Roman Polak's um, you know, check in that situation. And, and Darnell, being a young player, he's got to learn how to manage situations and control his emotions. But the, the fact that he's willing to ste- step up for a teammate is something that we like. Uh, the way he went about it probably was the wrong way. All right, the residual effect is now you take another hit on defense. So you really <coughs> All right, uh, I believe that's uh, Tom McClellan commenting from uh, earlier today, so we'll go get to his uh, most recent comments. Tell you what, do we have Lori Korpakoski, Matthew? He got a goal tonight. Let's uh, bring in Lori Korpakoski's postgame. What's, uh, you guys have won four of your last five road games. Just what's changed in the, the way you guys are playing on the road right now? Well, I think we're uh, 
giving up less. Uh, obviously, Cam and Ned's been really good, but I think uh, we're a stingy group. You know, we play uh, play a good team game, and I think today it was kind of a we were in the box too much today. So uh, we did a good job on the PK and uh, and hang around there. They were pushing hard on the second, especially. So, but that's how we usually win on the road. It's not always that pretty, but we're happy to take the points. You guys played such a good first period there. How important was it to come out of there up one nothing? Oh, it was huge. Uh, you know, uh, they're battling for their playoff lives, and and uh, they're going to be coming. So we responded well, and and uh, you know we got the first goal. It was always nice, and and go from there. What did you see on your goal? Uh, well, just a great play throwing at the net, and just kind of came out straight to me and just to act it in on the backhand and uh, and went in. So it was uh, good uh, good carry on the board. You even have a style of play going that can overcome some stuff, like like you said, winning on the road, winning when a few guys are out with injuries and that. Well, yeah, it's a little bit of a wounded dog mentality, I guess. Uh, uh, I think earlier in the year or in the season, we uh, we found a way to lose these games in the third, and I think now we're finding ways to win them, and it's always a good chance, uh, good sign, and, and hopefully, hopefully we can keep it going. What change do you think? Well, I think. Uh, so obviously, our goaltending is pretty, pretty good right now, and uh, I think we're just a stingy group that plays well uh, uh, both sides of the puck. So, uh, you know, a lot of two, two, one, three, two games that we were able to win uh, that we didn't uh, early in the season. That is Laurie Korpakoski. He scores tonight his ninth of the season. A big night for a couple of young guys on the Oilers D hanging in there. Jordan Osterley and Griffin Reinhardt, uh, their addition to the lineup over the last uh, one game for Osterley, two for Reinhardt, our adjustment of the game for Alberta's chiropractors. Life is the roughest game of all. Feel better, move better, live better. With help from your chiropractor, visit albertachiro.com. Quick break for the 10 o'clock news, and then you will hear from Oilers head coach Todd McClellan, his post-game reaction when we get back. You're listening to the Terry Peranich team overtime open line. Now, live from the Cabela's Broadcast Center, Reed Wilkins on Oilers Radio, 630 Chad. Brandlin and Latestu tie up and on the dot. It's pulled free by Zach Cassian. Example of what my partner was talking about ahead to McDavid has a step. Wrist shot score! Connor McDavid, a brilliant individual play, fending off Jared Spurgeon and banging one home to give Edmonton a 2 1 lead with 7.29 to go. McDavid's 14th. And that would be the winner tonight. The Oilers take it 2 1. In Minnesota, they have won five of their last seven overall, four of their last five road games, and they have been miserable on the road most of this season, but they get it done tonight. Cam Talbot, 29 stops for the win. Lori Korpakoski has Edmonton's other goal. Oilers 0 for 2 on the power play. They were a perfect 4 for 4 on the penalty kill. Here's head coach Todd McClellan. As you head out, and, and Edmonton's record here in Minnesota, maybe not a lot of people would have picked you guys to win tonight. It's a pretty good feeling to sort of gut through a lot of challenges. It, it is a real good feeling. I'm proud of the the group tonight. Scrappy effort right from the minute one on through. Uh, there were a lot of positive things for us in the game tonight. Our penalty kill was was very good. Um, I consider the one goal we got a power play goal. Um, he hadn't got out of the box or was just coming out, so that's a positive sign. Uh, to keep a team like that to one goal is a real good thing. Win on the road, um, confidence builder for us. Now if we can parlay this into a good homestand, we'll be pleased. It's not the first time we've talked about Connor McDavid's speed and likely not the last, but are there ever times where 
even having watched him for the season, that that element of his game surprises you, or are you now used to him going that fast? No, I'm glad I don't have to defend him because I know I wouldn't catch him, but he... Uh, it's not as much a surprise anymore. Where it's very deceptive is those last three or four strides. When you think you have him, he's still pulling away on you. And, um, I'm not sure if that happened tonight uh, with the defenseman and the goaltender, but um, he had a number of chances, and that was due to his speed and his line mate's ability to get him the puck at the right time. So uh, we're fortunate to have him, and it's fun to watch him. All the guys you had out, uh, the guys who stepped in, sort of held their own. Yeah, we talked, or uh, I talked with you guys before the game and we talked about the forwards needing to step up and, and really take care of our back end um, not not turning it over, getting it deep, creating four check opportunities, trying to stay out of the penalty box and I thought they did a pretty admirable job and in turn the D got the puck out of their hands and got it up to the forwards and um, a real team, gutsy team team win. Is this a self-perpetuating thing where you win a couple of one goal games and then the next time you're in one you're better able to, to cope with it? Boy, we've been in a lot of them this year, and uh, we're learning lessons as we go. Um, I think we're playing better defensively in those one-goal games, not giving up as many uh, panic chances or uh, risk chances. We're understanding that a little bit better, but um, you know, as we improve our roster and individuals get better, hopefully we're on the, the winning side of those a little bit more than the losing side. Did Matt Hendricks' departure have more to do with what happened a couple of nights ago as opposed to what may have happened tonight? Uh, I don't know the answer to that. Um, you know, unfortunately, he only played three shifts, which, uh, you know, had we known, we could have had a healthy Anton in there, and Anton would have helped us in the faceoff circle, which uh, we got drilled in for most of the night, and we would have had another penalty killer. But uh, it was a noble attempt by by Hendo to play and play it in front of his family here at home but uh, when it's all said and done we'd like that healthy body every team gets injuries and it's it's a challenge for you guys the, the way things have sort of unfolded in the last little bit they're basically last yeah year. it's it's really been unfortunate from day one with with Everly uh, you know being injured in uh, in training camp and then as it carries through with different individuals and and the magnitude's gone from uh, a role player that probably doesn't play quite as much to to dominant players and um it's affected us and and it's uh, i believe it's affected our record somewhat but the biggest thing is we haven't been able to put our team together on the ice to really know what we have or don't have and give it time to gel and grow so we're gonna have to make some decisions in the summer without um, having the complete package together. All right, that is Oilers head coach Todd McClellan, victorious tonight, 2-1 over the Minnesota Wild. Of course, you can get more coverage by going to the Oilers page on 630Ched.com. Bob Stoffer will have Oilers now from noon to 2 tomorrow. I will have inside sports from 6 to 9. Our next Oilers broadcast Saturday night, start of a five-game homestand, 6.30 p.m. for the face-off show against the Arizona Coyotes. The game will start at 8. I want to thank Matthew Panashik. He's been our studio producer this evening. The executive producer of Oilers Hockey on 6.30, Chad, is Sid Smith. On behalf of Rob Brown, I'm Reed Wilkins. The Oilers take it 2-1. McDavid the winner. Terry Peranich Real Estate Team Overtime Open Line has come to you from the Cabela's Broadcast Center. Thanks for listening.